That is, uh, God is in so uh, amazing control of his creation that he has laid out the plan from the very beginning. And because of that, he continues to work his plan just like he had promised. Okay, so we're going to have the PowerPoint up here and uh, just a review of what we looked at last week. Uh, we're looking at the feasts of Israel. Okay, those feasts of Israel in Leviticus chapter 25, verse uh, 5 through 22 today. So let's go there and we'll begin to read. And in the 14th day of the first month, at even, is the Lord's Passover. And on the 15th day of the, uh, the same month is the Feast of Unleavened Bread unto the Lord. Seven days ye shall eat unleavened bread. In the first day ye shall have a holy convocation, and you shall do no servile work therein. But ye shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. Seven days, and in the seventh day is an holy convocation, and ye shall do no servile work therein. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for having a plan. Lord, before this world was created, you were Savior. Before this world was created, you knew exactly what you were going to do. Hard for us to comprehend that, to understand that. But Lord, I love when your word continues to confirm that. And Father, we see it here laid out, part of your plan. Lord, last week we looked at it, we'll look at it this week, and then, uh, Lord, the week after Easter, we'll remind ourselves that even these feasts are just a calendar of your plan for this universe. It is an amazing thing to see how your word over and over confirms your might, your power, your majesty, you reign. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. So we looked last week at the fact that God established a weekly calendar, okay, and we talked about from the very beginning, God did not rest on the seventh day because he was tired, okay? God rested on the seventh day because he was setting it apart and making it something special. He wanted to remind us that he has a plan that he is working. So every single week when we remember the Sabbath day, okay, when we set it apart and make it special, Okay, that reminds us that God is working his plan. Okay, he has always had a plan. Then he talked about the yearly calendar. We began to look at that last week in these feasts. Every year, God had set apart seven different feasts to remind us of the plan that he was working. All right, so these things remind us if God had a plan laid out every week and he had a plan laid out every year, then pretty well understood that he has a plan that's laid out for everything, okay? And it pictures that. Okay, next slide, we talked about the fact of the feast of the Passover, all right? And we had reminded ourselves last week, if you want to go back and, and listen to the recording, please do so, but that Jesus Christ himself is our Passover. In 1 Corinthians, Paul reminded us that Jesus Christ, who is our Passover. Okay, now again, we understand that these feasts were designed for the Jews, okay? They're not feasts that the Christians have to uh, adhere to, even though 
we never have a problem getting together for a feast. Okay, we all love getting together for a little grub. But this feast system was laid out for the Jews as a picture. Yet, Paul reminds us that Jesus is our Passover as Christians. Okay, why? Because we understand that lamb that was slain so that death would pass over was our lamb that was slain so death would pass over us. Okay, we talked about the fact that the Passover pictures the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. And this is a perfect time to be discussing that because what's next Sunday? Easter, okay? Okay, it's Easter, we have Good Friday, we have Saturday, we have Resurrection Sunday, okay? And this is exactly what we're dealing with here. The Lord Jesus Christ is the Passover lamb. He is, as John the Baptist reminded us, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. So Passover pictures Jesus, all right? And so, and when we apply, next slide, the blood of Jesus Christ to our lives, death passes over us. Okay, that's all review from last week. Now, what we're going to be looking at today, all right, is Passover is a picture of Jesus' forgiveness for sin. You can go to the next one. Um, Okay, the unleavened bread, which we'll look at in a minute, is a picture of that communion, the fellowship we have with God. All right, and we'll look at that in a moment. And then the first fruits is a picture of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then we'll end by looking at Pentecost, which is a picture of Jesus uniting both Jews and Gentiles into one brand new thing called a Christian. Okay, and what that means, all right? He puts the Holy Spirit in there, all right? So let's go look, look, let's look at unleavened bread, okay? Unleavened bread. I got this neat thing. I don't know if it's going to work or not. It's like probably as old as me, but, ah, look at that, all right. I, I, we tried to go buy one. I think they've outlawed them because people shoot them at airplanes or something. I don't know what they do, but, uh, so if that laser thing works, we'll work it, so, um, this unleavened bread, this feast, is pictured in communion. Now, we use that word all the time, right? Last week, every uh, first Sunday of the month, we share the Lord's Supper communion. We use that phrase. Now, I didn't look up all the verses for this because of time's sake, but I think you and I remember that this is when Jesus sat down with his disciples and said, this is my body which was broken for you. As often as you do it, do it in remembrance of me. And he took the cup and said, this is my blood of the New Testament. This was at Passover that Jesus was celebrating with. So Jesus himself ties this feast of unleavened bread to his own life. Okay, in that fellowship, we have communion with God. We don't call it that, re that uh, word just because we picked it up out of the blue sky. Okay? It is because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is because his blood has forgiven us of our sins that we now can be in a relationship with God. Yes? Okay, that, that, I love this because what a picture. Before that, like Ephesians says, we were strangers. We were the children of disobedience. Okay, we were separated. We are aliens from God. But because of what Passover 
Jesus Christ, our Passover, did, we now have the ability to have communion with God. And that is what this Feast of Unleavened Bread pictures. It is a memorial. Now, the next slide here, Exodus says, And this day shall be for you a memorial. You shall keep the feast unto the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep the feast by an ordinance forever. Next slide. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. Even the first day put away leaven out of your house. And whosoever eateth leaven from the first day to the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. Okay, we are reminded that this is a memorial. What do we say every time we share the Lord's Table, Communion, the Lord's Supper? We say, as a matter of fact, if you could read it, it's behind that uh, tablecloth. It says, do this in remembrance of me. It is a memorial. Okay, uh, contrary to some Christian, and I'll put that in quotes, uh, churches, it doesn't do anything for you. When we share communion every month, it is not getting us closer to God. It is not reinstituting our salvation. It is not adding more blood or more uh, sacrifice of Christ. It is a remembrance. It is a memorial. Okay, Here's the, the fact. We do it because we're in communion with God, and I'll talk about that in a second. But if I never had another communion, Lord's table, Lord's supper, from now until I get to heaven, I'm still going to heaven. Okay, it doesn't change that. Okay, what it does, it reminds me that I now have a new precious relationship with my Father. Okay, we call it the Lord's table. Um, how, how many of you have ever used the term breaking bread? Ever use that breaking bread? Sometimes we talk about that at church, but you ever talk about that in, in the secular world? People say, let's go break bread together. Okay, now a lot of times that's a Christian phrase, but it's not unheard of that they broke bread. Okay, it means you sit down at a table and you have fellowship. There is, if you talk to psychologists, there is something special when you sit down and eat with someone. It is a different stage in a relationship when you actually sit down and have food. Okay? I'm not making this up. God made it. Okay? This Lord's table, now that God has applied the blood to our lives and our sin is taken care of, now we have a relationship with God and something special. That's what this is picturing. Now I want you to see this. Right after, so you on Passover, the next day you have a relationship with god now i don't know about you but i love that isn't it nice to know that i don't have to wait till i'm dead and get to heaven to have a relationship with god the very moment that i applied jesus's blood and his sacrifice to my life i now have a relationship with him from that point forward immediately okay next part of this slide in first corinthians it says Read it off my paper here. And purge therefore out the old leaven that ye may be a new lump. Uh, actually, I have, I can call some of you that, a new lump. Uh, anyway, um, as ye are unleavened, for even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Let us therefore keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, 
but the unleavened bread of sincerity in truth. He's telling us, reminding us, that now that our sins are forgiven, we can have a special walk with God. Okay, that's the cool part. So you see the progression? God says, all right, I got an eternal plan for this universe. There's going to be a lamb, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who sheds his blood. Because of that, he's going to be able to get you back in communion with God. You're going to be able to have that special relationship with God, which Adam lost. Okay, Adam lost it every day he walked with God until sin. There was a separation. Okay, notice it also says, don't do any servile work. Next slide. Okay. It froze. Figures. We're having to reboot it. No servile work. Our communion with God is not based on what we do. It is based on what Christ has already done. Okay, that's the amazing part of this. We go ahead and have unleavened bread, but he said you're not going to do any work for it. Because the relationship that now I have with God is not based on what I can do for him. And you know how many churches are full of people right now this very morning who are basing their relationship with God on what they can do for God? Now, granted, I love God and I want to do things for him, but it's not based on my relationship is not locked in because this week I prayed so many prayers or I gave so much money or I got to the, you know, feed the poor. Okay? We don't work for that relationship. It is based upon the sacrifice that was given at Passover, the lamb and his blood. So no servile work is necessary. Ah, okay. Pictures communion with God, the breaking of bread. It is available immediately. This is cool. You apply that blood of Jesus Christ to your life, and immediately you're a member of his family. The very next day, okay, you are now able to pray. Isn't that awesome? The moment, you don't have to go to a, a training class to communicate with God. You're able to speak directly to your heavenly father. What else? I got it written up there. You're able to be baptized. You talk about Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. And he says, listen, I believe in Jesus. What stops me from being baptized? And Philip said, let's stop the chariot and get baptized right now. Okay, the moment you have the blood applied to your life, you instantly are brought into a relationship with our Heavenly Father. That's awesome. Okay, and um, God can use you as a testimony. How many of you, or you've heard of it, when you asked Jesus to be your Savior, went right home and told somebody else about it? You don't have to go through a six-month training course on how to evangelize someone you all of a sudden got that relationship with God and you went and told somebody right away. There's no waiting period. I love this. This is amazing. And God laid this out in the feasts for Israel. You apply the blood, you now instantly have a relationship with God. Now, one of the things we did read, it is this relationship is based upon watching out for sin. No leaven. And we talked about leaven in the Bible as a picture of sin or bad doctrine in your life that he wants us to live a life that is free from sin. Now, we can circle back to, oh, I hate that phrase nowadays. Oh, okay, we can go back to what Dan had just been teaching in First John that talks about if we walk in the light as he is in the light, 
We have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all our sins. But you know what? If we sin, we can confess our sin and be faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Okay? This relationship we have is based upon us trying our best to no, have no leaven, no sin. All right? Next one. Next slide. Oh, read that one already. Purge out the old lump. No servile work. Keep going. Feast of the first fruits. So we see Jesus Christ is a picture of Passover lamb with his blood shed. The next feast reminds us that because of that, we have fellowship with God. Now, first fruits is a picture of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Paul himself refers to it this way. If you look, um, i got to make sure I'm on the right page. 13, 14, 15, there we go. This is something new. I printed this out. It's all the slides in order. But can you see how small that text is? i got to get new bifocals to read this, man. It's awful. Now, by the death of Jesus Christ, we're in 1 Corinthians 15, 20, right, okay. But now is Jesus Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. Jesus Christ's resurrection is a picture of the first fruits. Okay, keep going in this verse. He says, for since by man came death, by man also came a resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all may be alive, or made alive. Every man in his own order, Christ is the first fruits. Afterwards, they that are in Christ at his coming. Okay? Jesus Christ is our first fruits. Now, back to Leviticus, let's read this, verse 9. And the Lord spake unto Moses, and saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When ye come into the land which I will give you, ye shall reap the harvest thereof. Then ye shall bring the sheaf of the firstfruits of the harvest unto the priest. And he shall wave the sheaf before the Lord to be accepted for you on the morrow. After the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. And ye shall offer it that day when the Lord wave the sheaf, uh, uh, excuse me, offer it that day when ye wave the sheaf and he lamb without blemish of the first year for a burnt offering. And the meat offering shall be two-tenths deal of fine flour mingled with oil, an offering made by fire unto the Lord of a sweet savor, and a drink offering there shall be of wine, the first part of a hin, and ye shall eat neither bread nor parched corn nor green ears until the selfsame day that ye have brought an offering unto uh, your God. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations and all your dwellings. Okay, long passage, but he said there's some keys here. So you have the first fruits. Okay, the Lord Jesus Christ is our first fruits. Notice, next slide, it would to be offered on the first day of the week after the Sabbath. Now catch this, it pictures the resurrection. What day was Jesus Christ resurrected on? Somebody, not, not like April 12th. 
Which day of the week? Was it a Wednesday? The first day of the week. It was Sunday. Right here in the passage, it says, This offering, which represents the resurrection of Jesus Christ, was to be on the day after the Sabbath. Now, I don't know if that gets you jazzed up. It gets me jazzed up. Because even here in the feasts, God confirms that on the first day of the week, Christ would be resurrected from the grave. That's why we meet on Sunday. Because it's the first day of the week. And for those who struggle with the idea of Sabbath is Saturday or Sunday or whatever, please remember, if you try to change Sabbath from Saturday to Sunday, you're messing up every picture that God has laid out in his word. The Sabbath is Saturday. It always has been. It is the seventh day of the week. I know some of the blue laws and things in our country try to make Sunday the day of Sabbath that we should rest. That's fine. If you want peace, have at least one day to rest. Okay, but guys, I love you, and the church has kind of kind of scrambled this one a little bit. Sunday has never been the Sabbath. Saturday is the Sabbath. Okay, and this is an amazing picture that God laid out this calendar in this feast. He says, on the Passover, the blood will be shed. You spend those next seven days afterwards, okay, enjoying the fellowship we now have with God. And on the Sabbath that comes when the first fruits, your first fruits, the day after the Sabbath is going to picture the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is Sunday. That's why we meet on Sunday. That's why on the first day of the week, Jesus rose. Okay? All laid out here, pictured in these feasts. Notice also, okay, next part of the slide. It happens when you come into the land. Now, Passover, every year. Okay? The unleavened bread, every year. But the children of Israel had a little caveat on this one. They could not offer the first fruits until they came into the land. Now, if you remember correctly, this was when uh, Moses was on Mount Sinai. They were going to wander for 40 more years in the wilderness before they were able to offer this offering. Now, keep that in mind. You know what's amazing? Unless you cross over Jordan into the promised land, God doesn't work. God doesn't want the works of your hands. Without going into this extremely long explanation, but if you remember the sacrifices that we studied before, when we studied the offering of flour, the offering of plants grown, okay, the first fruits, that is a picture of our labor, our works. So we just saw, don't do any servile work. That doesn't earn you fellowship with God, a relationship. You can't do that. But once you have the relationship, now we can offer the works. But you can't offer those works until you're in the relationship. Okay? We are locked into this. The children of Israel could not offer this offering until they had crossed over Jordan. How many of you know what the, have a phrase? You know, we hear some of these old spiritual songs about, you know, the Jordan River, okay, crossing over Jordan. Anybody know what that means scripturally? That means you come to salvation. You enter the promised land, okay? Now, I don't know about you, 
Uh, I'm not in the promised land yet. Okay, there's all these old gospel songs about someday I'm going to cross over Jordan. Um, someday I will. But you know what? I'm already there now. Ephesians chapter 2 says, I sit in heavenly places right now, today. Okay, this amazing part is, without faith, it is impossible to please God. But that means with faith, it is possible to please God, right? If you have without faith, it's impossible with faith, it's possible. This is what we're talking about. There are so many people in this world right now who have never applied the blood of the Passover, who do not have faith in Jesus Christ, who are trying to offer their labor, the work of their hands, and it is not accepted. Until you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, and you now are able in faith to please God, your works do absolutely no good. That's this amazing picture here. He's saying, listen, I want your first fruits of your life, but you've got to cross into the promised land first. If you're not one of my children, if you haven't received that gift that I've given you, then your first fruits make no difference. You see how the amazing, even in the feasts, it ties in exactly the way God laid out salvation for us. You don't work to get it, but once you've crossed over, and you've received Jesus Christ as your Savior, now, he says, now I'll take the works of your hands. Okay, now there's a couple interesting things here I want to point out just because it uh, comes in. Number one, uh, until God brings fruit in your life, until you cross Jordan, and until you have that faith, that salvation, and then God can give you and work in your life and bless you. Next slide. Notice it says the lamb is still the foundation of this offering. I thought it was kind of cool. God says, oh, listen, I want you to take fine flour, I want you to mash it down into a, you know, take the grain, make flour, but you still have to offer a lamb, because without the lamb, none of this matters. If you don't have Jesus Christ and his sacrifice, nothing you and I can do ministers, okay? No, oh, yeah, she went on. Notice it's fine flour, grain, it's ground up, it's refined. This is talking about our pure service for God. We don't work to get salvation, but we work because God has saved us. Father, I love you so much. From now on, I'm going to offer you my best, okay? I beseech you, therefore, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. That's what this is. Once you cross over and you are able to work for the Lord, you're able to gather, I want you to be your reasonable service. We just talked about this two weeks ago. Go to the next slide. Notice... Uh, yep, I got all that up there. Remember a couple weeks ago we talked about giving, that God doesn't want 10%, he wants 100%. He wants all of you. Notice in this verse, so this is a picture of our labor for the Lord, he says, until you give the first fruits, you don't eat anything. Did you catch that with me? Let me see if I can see which verse it was. Verse 14, and ye shall eat neither bread nor parched corn nor green ears until the selfsame day that you've brought the offering unto your God. 
This is what first fruits is. Until you give God his portion, be careful. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. That's why it's called first fruits. God gets his portion, then he allows us to have the rest. He said, if you're not going to offer this first fruits, boy, you better not think about eating yourself. That's why it's important. We talked about giving. God wants 100% of us. If he already owns 100%, then the first fruits make absolutely no difference, do they? Because if 100% are his, doesn't matter what else you give. Right? All of this pictured in the feasts. I love this. Keep going. Next part. The Feast of Pentecost. So, the blood of Christ is shed. Fellowship is now guaranteed. And now for that first time ever, we are able to offer the labor of our hands to please God. Okay? We are in a relationship with him, and now we, what we serve him, God can use. Right Now, you count 49 days, okay, seven Sabbaths, and comes the 50th day. Look at verse 15. And ye shall count unto you from the morrow after the Sabbath, from the Sabbath that brought the sheaf of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths until com- be complete, shall be complete. Even unto the morrow after the seven Sabbaths shall ye number fifty days, and you shall offer new meat offering unto the Lord. Ye shall bring out of your habitation two loaves, each of a tenth deal, and they shall be of fine flour, and they shall be baked with leaven. We'll get back to that. They are the first fruits unto the Lord. And ye shall offer the bread with, uh, you shall offer with the bread seven lambs without blemish of the first year, one young bullock and two rams for a burnt offering, and a meat offering and a drink offering, even an offering made by fire as a sweet savor unto the Lord. Then ye shall sacrifice two kid goats for a sin offering, and two lambs of the first year sacrifice for a peace offering. And the priest shall wave them with the bread of the first fruits for a wave offering before the Lord, two lambs, and they shall be holy to the Lord for the priests. And ye shall proclaim on the selfsame day that is a holy convocation unto you. Ye shall do no servile work therein. It shall be a statute forever in all your dwellings throughout the generations. And when you reap the harvest of your land, ye shall not make clean riddance of the corners of the field, when thou reapest, neither shalt thou gather the gleanings of the harvest, but thou shalt leave them unto the poor and to the stranger. I am the Lord your God. Okay, a lot of stuff in that verse there we want to talk about too. But this day of Pentecost, okay, is a picture of God uniting his people in the New Testament. Now I want to talk about this. Hopefully we can, I can lay this out in a way that makes sense. Go ahead to the next slide. Okay, it pictures a time for the church. Notice in the first fruits, you took all those grains of corn and ground them into fine flour. Well, now you take that fine flour and you make it into a loaf. Okay, so you're putting something together. And God does something amazing here. He tells us he takes the Jew and the Gentile and makes one brand new thing that's called a Christian. Okay, now this is amazing. So you go, 
49 days, seven Sabbaths, and on the next day is this Feast of Pentecost. And that is when God does something amazing. Now, let's we'll keep going. Okay, uh, did it say at the bottom of that slide that uh, Pentecost means 50? I don't know if that was the slide. Ah, it's there. Okay, so notice that. Pentecost means 50. That is a Greek word, pentecost, meaning 50th, just in case you're wondering what that word means. Now, God does something really cool in Romans chapter 11. Not going to read the whole thing because we would be here for a while because there's a lot of stuff there. But basically he says, you know what God did with the Gentiles? God, the Jews are still God's chosen people. But God offered the Gentile salvation to cause some jealousy in the Jews so that they would also receive Christ as their Savior. And so that we, as the Gentile church, can cause the Jews to want to meet their Messiah. And God would do something amazing and he would make one brand new thing a Christian. Matter of fact, God qualifies it this way in this verse. Give none offense neither to the Jew nor the Gentile or the church of God. You realize in this time frame that we're in, God only sees three different groups of people on this planet. You know, this world wants to talk about blacks and whites or Hispanics and Russians and, you know, Africans and Americans and everything. God sees three groups of people only. Either you're a Jew, you're a Gentile, or you're part of the church of God. So again, anybody who wants to hold any sort of prejudices sorry okay there's some of these churches out there who get in the news who want to make a splash because they talk about different people's different uh, origins or how much melanin is in their skin i don't see anything in that about that do you you can be a jew you could be a gentile you could be a church it has nothing to do where you're from what color your skin is where your parents were born the jew gentile the church now here's the cool part keep going Notice, when God puts the church together, you and me, he says, this time, there is going to be leaven allowed in the loaf. Now, what was leaven a picture of? Sin. Thank you. When it came to our perfect relationship with God, he said, no leaven. That sin's got to be taken care of. But when it comes to God putting his church together, how many of us here are without sin? Me, of course, right? Okay, how many of you have no sin? All of us do. Isn't it amazing that God says when he puts this thing together, when he makes this new lump, and he brings it all to one unit, takes that fine flour, takes everything, and puts it together, he said, there's going to be leaven. Because you know what? I can't go a day without sin i can't he says there's going to be leaven notice this part here it also says with oil i want you to bake this with oil somebody tell me what oil is in the bible we've been doing this for a while this picture okay the anointing of oil pictures what the holy spirit okay we've talked about this now i'm trying to lay all this thing out because in acts chapter one or two Jesus told his disciples to wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. You remember? He's crucified. He raises, r- rises from the dead. He tells, meets with the apostles several times. 
gathers them all up and says, I want you to go to the upper room in Jerusalem. I want you to wait there because soon the promise of the Holy Spirit is going to come. On what day? On Pentecost. Now, there are some questions in some Christian theologians' minds about when the church was birthed. Okay? Um, And I love this. When God chose the twelve, he began his work in birthing the church. When the church was officially born was on the day of Pentecost. Um, How long, ladies, does birth take? (laughs) Forever. Thank you, Joyce. It's a nine-month period of time, right? Okay, you don't get pregnant and there it is, baby's there, okay? There's a process of growth. But you know when the church was finalized? When God finally put his stamp of approval, stamp of power on the church, where he finally says, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me in both Jerusalem and Judea and to the uttermost parts of the world. That was Pentecost. Now, do you see this cool picture that God has done? In this picture of the feast, he pictures this, all the stuff that's already happened in the past. The blood of Jesus Christ has been shed. We now have fellowship with our God instantly. Because of that, you and I can offer the work of our hands and love to God. And then he says, I want to do something special. I'm going to put you all together in one unit. No Jews anymore, no Gentiles anymore. I'm going to do something cool. It's called a church. He says, in that church, you guys are still going to have problems. But you know what? I'm sending you the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. I want you to go and wait, guys. Once the Holy Spirit comes, then you're going to be able out and be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and Judea. Next slide. Oh, excuse me. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Next slide. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues of fire, And as it sat upon each of them, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. On the day of Pentecost is when God put his power into the church. You see how amazing this is, God's picture? And I told you, he had a calendar for the week. He had a calendar for the year. He has a calendar for history altogether. So far, we've seen the death of Christ as the Passover. We've seen him as our first fruits of the resurrection. We've seen him put the church together. Now, I want you to notice uh, another thing here about this. Next slide. It's called the Feast of Weeks. Pentecost, it was supposed to be shared with strangers, with the poor, with others. So I'll drop a question here. Last bit. Are you sharing it today? Did you catch that? He said, on this Feast of Pentecost, I'm going to do all this stuff. And man, I could could spend a lot of time because he offers a peace offering, he offers a wave offering, he offers a burnt offering, he offers goats, he offers bullocks, he offers lambs, seven lambs. I mean, there's so much there in what we already discovered as the feast. I want you to understand when God's church is put together, none of the plans that he has had has been canceled. He wants all of the same stuff to happen. He's just not doing it through the children of Israel anymore. He's doing it through his church. But notice what the bigger point at the end. We read that last verse in verse 22. And he says, That thou shalt leave them 
unto the poor and the stranger, I am the Lord your God. What are you and I supposed to do? You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in both Jerusalem and Judea and to the uttermost parts of the world. Now, I don't know about you, I get kind of excited when I see the hand of God in the huge scope that he's laid out. Before he decided to do all these things, he had already pictured every bit of it unto Moses through these feasts. Now, next week is Easter. The week after that, we're going to look at the last three feasts. And those last three feasts have yet to happen. We're waiting for those three feasts to occur. Okay? The calling together of his people, the tabernacling with God. Those feasts are we're looking forward to. So these four we've already seen happen. The next three we're waiting because God's laid out this scope, this plan for the universe. And he's letting us see it in picture form through the feasts. So I want to end this. I talked to, I, I mentioned in prayer time, it was a friend of mine. It was actually my father. Who my father's church down in Florida had an Easter egg hunt. Okay, and I shared this. They had like 2,000 eggs that they had spread out in the church property. They had invited a lot of the town, you know, the, the school systems and stuff to be there. And there wound up being like 200 kids. Okay, and within like five minutes, every egg was picked up. Of all the 2,000, boom. Okay, they picked up all those eggs. But at the same time, to be a witness to some of these school kids in the community, they had set up an empty tomb with the stone that was rolled away and a cross. And there were people that came and asked them, what are those things for? That there were people actually there who did not know what the cross and the empty tomb stood for in an Easter egg hunt now I said this this morning I'm going to just say it again this is Florida Bible Belt where there are churches on every corner down there not New England where a little, we're a little further from that I want us to understand that there are so many people in this world right now in our communities that do not understand the simplest truth about Easter so you and I are the church. We ain't perfect, but we've been given the power of God's Holy Spirit to go and share with the poor and the strangers what this is all about. Take the opportunity this week. People are, again, gathering Easter baskets and dying Easter eggs and buying Easter bunnies. Remind people what Easter is really about. It is about the death, Passover, the burial, the resurrection, the first fruits, and the idea that you and I can have a relationship with our Heavenly Father. Go out and share it. That's what he put this church together for. He took a Jew and a Gentile and made one brand new thing called a Christian so that you and I would go out and tell others about it. Man, I love the fact when God takes his, the old tapestry of the Old Testament and shows us what he's been trying to picture to humanity all through those years. Amen? Let's pray.